This is realestateinvestingmastery.com. Oh, yeah. Well, hello again, everybody. Welcome to another fantastic, fabulous episode of Real Estate Investing Mastery. We're so glad you're here. Uh, I'm excited about this episode. We're interviewing a friend of mine, Todd Toback, from San Diego, California. Um, one of my guys that, uh, one of the guys that really got me started in this business uh, a few years ago. Um, he's been investing in real estate a long time, um, and I'm excited to hear what he has to say. He's just going to be talking about what he's doing in his business and what's working for him and what's not, and all that good, yummy stuff. But um, First, I just want to tell you guys to go to realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com. We have a bunch of bonuses on there, some really cool free content, absolutely free, no strings attached. Right, Alex? No strings whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, uh, I mean, like we pull back the curtain and share with you how we do our wholesaling businesses show you exactly what we do step by step, how we do it, how we use virtual assistants, how we do the marketing. Um, and then we give the, you know, we even have a video on there for uh, expert advice for beginners. Um, and then pretty soon too, we're going to be having all of our podcast interviews uh, transcribed. And so if you want to join our list, you can get access to all of our podcast interviews in a PDF format that's coming soon. But uh, you know, free. for free, yeah. <laughs> Definitely, and you get notified. No when, right, you get notified <laughs> when uh, new episodes come up, um, and uh, pretty soon too, Alex and I are going to be starting to do some little videos. Um, every week, we're going to be releasing little videos with frequently asked questions or maybe some deal analysis, and um, so we're going to be putting out some more information on that soon. So maybe by the time this episode's released, you'll also see in your podcast feed and iTunes some little videos. Um, so we're, we're in the talking about that stage right now. Um, but Alex, man, how you doing? How's things been going the last few days? Good, good. I'm actually, uh, we're, we're on a, right now, everybody on this call is in the middle of a deal making session because Uh right now I am driving to go to a motivated seller's house and pick up a death certificate to give to an attorney (laughs) so that they can start the process of negotiating debts. Uh, on this deal so I could get it for dirt, dirt, dirt cheap. And and you know how I found this deal, Joe? I'm going to guess postcards. I mailed out a particular campaign and mailed out 12 postcards. (laughs) 12 postcards. 12 postcards. Wow. Yeah. And let me tell you, it was expensive. It was like (laughs) $4.36. You're paying more than that in gas to get there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, so what uh, what kind of list did you mail to? This was a probate list. Okay. Yep, that's a good old uh, probate list. Um, and I think this one, I think, I'm trying to think what this one exactly was. It was part of probate, but there was some other um, nuance that, that brought it to the top of the list. I think it was something like a uh, um, a uh, filing of a will or a list of heirs or something, you know, which is all part of probate. But yeah. 
Um, yeah, so I got so I got that. The house, you know, is probably worth a hundred, hundred twenty, something like that. Um, the lady just wants out. She thinks for some reason if she, you know, she's willing to walk away from it. She owes like thirteen or fourteen thousand dollars in back taxes, and she thinks if she, you know, she could just get those paid off. She'll be happy. I, I think she thinks they're going to go after her or something if she doesn't uh, if she doesn't pay those taxes. But and so I mean, I get you know if it works out, it works out. But there's like this thing is crazy. It's got um, liens on it as much as like twenty thousand wow. dollars in the amount of child support and people in jail and all wow. these wonderful things. So. Um, the, the cool thing here is that the way the will was written, it eliminates one of the legs of uh, heirs to the property that in, that houses a big part of the debt. So that's a good thing. So, you know, once once we clean that up, we can get some title insurance on it. So there's definitely a little bit more of, a you know, an advanced situation, I would say. But um, this is all part of the fun that you have as you're on your journey to real estate investing mastery. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, has the attorney of the estate been kind of helping you figure these issues out and stuff like that, or is it kind uh, of a little, a little bit, a little bit? Um, I, the deal was kind of on hold for a little bit because of this um, birth certificate or death certificate issue, and it took her forever to get it from the vital records. I probably started working this deal back in like the beginning of June, I want to say. Wow. So, but follow up, follow up, follow up, follow up, and. He who follows up the most wins. That Remember that. Definitely true. I'm uh, <laughs> working a probate lead myself, actually, and it came from an internet lead. Um, ah, another nice cheap lead. Sorry. Oh yeah, uh, I use House Buyer Network. I don't have any affiliate relationship with them, but that's who I use. And um, so the f crazy thing about them is they'll submit. Um, they submit a lead on the internet. And then the system, the next page, it takes them to, well, hey, the person that uh, is our representative in the area is Joe McCall, and his phone number is this, so give him a call. And uh, frequently I'll give get... Give Joe McCall a call. Yeah, so frequently <laughs> I'll get phone calls from sellers after they've submitted their information on the website. And, uh, hey, they'll nice. say, I just submitted some information. Um, I want to sell my house. Do you think they're motivated? <laughs> They could be a little minusculely well, and motivated. <laughs> I have I have not had one call from somebody like that who wasn't somewhat motivated. Um, anytime somebody Google's, you know, sell my house fast, um, and then once they fill in their information, then they call you, wanting to know, you know how you can buy their house. You know they're motivated and they're ready to go. So internet leads cost more, but they're oftentimes um, more motivated. Um, the thing with those two is you got to be fast on those because they're probably also visiting several other websites and putting their information in, trying to get competing bids. So you got to act fast on those. But um, you know, I know some friends who do a lot of internet marketing and they pay more for those leads per lead than they do with direct mail. But as a percentage, they get they do more deals with those internet leads. Um, and then one thing, I, I think it's important to talk about this just briefly because the other drawback to Internet leads is you get everybody in your city. So it could be in the worst areas, right, um, that you don't want to do any business with. So that is one drawback with Internet marketing for seller leads 
Uh, the good thing about direct mail is you can target the specific homes that you want in the neighborhoods that you want. You know, three bedrooms, two car garages if you want. Um, so, but anyway, the um, uh, this lead I'm, I'm actually kind of excited about. Just, they own it free and clear, but it's it's always amazing to me how motivated sellers can get, especially on probate properties that have been on the market for uh, any period of time. Because um, there's a lot of stress in managing these properties and keeping them updated. They're worried about theft, you know. They're they're tired of going there every uh, weekend to do an open house or to clean it up and get ready for an open house. Um, they're tired of the maintenance costs and making sure the lawn gets mowed, making sure that um, uh, the utilities are paid and the taxes are paid. There's a whole bunch of issues that go into probates. And uh, many times these sellers, um, they start off thinking, oh, great, you know, this is part of their inheritance. They can make a lot of money and sell this house for top dollar. And the market is just brutal on them. And uh, they get very motivated very quickly. Would you agree, Alex? Never mind, <laughs> Alex. But uh, so anyway, moving on. Todd, are you there? Right here, Joe. Awesome. Guys, let me introduce you to Todd Toback. Um, Todd is a good friend of mine. Um, when I was first getting started in the business, um, I Googled lease purchasing and, and uh, found Todd. And uh, I, Todd and I are both fans of the lease purchase, lease option strategy. Um, and I think I speak for Todd. That's, it's wonderful when you can control property without owning it. And that's what options allow you to do. And uh, one of the things I really appreciate appreciate about Todd is how creative he is. I mean, he really thinks outside the box. And um, you get get him talking about some deals that he's working on. And he just he, he starts talking about the the offers that he made and how creative these th these deals that he structures. And it just kind of blows you away, thinking, "Wow, I never thought of that. <laughs> how did you think of that? How did you come up with that?" But um, Todd is, uh, is a great guy. Over the years, we've become friends. I bought his course on lease purchasing, the lease purchase wealth system. I'm actually looking at it on my shelf right now. There it is. And um, it's a uh, it's really, really good uh, reference manual. Todd, I, I'm frequently, at least once every couple months, opening it up again and looking at different things. We do deals differently. Um, and. Uh, we do, uh, we you know, we teach different things. But Todd is also doing a bunch of deals. He's been doing deals for how long have you been, you been investing in real estate, Todd? Gee, since uh, two thousand one, Joe. But uh, I can tell you, I did it. I did them all wrong at least, at least the first half of that. <laughs> right. Well, I, I have too. Um, so definitely, we have more in common. Uh, but um, Todd lives in San Diego. You've been there pretty much all your life. No, you're from New York, aren't you? Uh, I'm a I'm a New Yorker through and through. That's right. Uh, but uh, you know, back in, uh, is it okay if I kind of take over here, Joe? Yeah, yeah. Just talk. Tell us about who you sure. are and and why you love what you do. Sure. Well, you know, I'm a beach bum at heart, and uh, you know, I spend all these summers on the beach in New York. I was a lifeguard throughout high school and college, and uh, you know, I had this idea that I never really wanted a real job. Yeah. And you know, I'm thinking, wow, this you know, this lifeguard life is pretty cool. You know, what if I could hang out on the beach all day, and you know, not have to go into an office? 
And yeah. growing up, I saw my dad being an entrepreneur, and so I always had this vision in my head of, of what I wanted. You know, I, I just pictured myself at two o'clock, just hanging out at the beach. And so I went to college, and uh, you know, I, I wasn't a great student or anything like that. And you know, looking around, all my friends were going out and getting good jobs and interviewing, and I just got caught up in that. And I, I don't know why I didn't have guidance and. My father being an entrepreneur, he sent me to college hmm. and so he wasn't really trying to convince me to be an entrepreneur. Well, I said, you know what, I was going to school in Grand Rapids, Michigan and it snowed every single day there, Joe. Every single day <laughs> yeah. from October until May. Wow. wow. <laughs> and so I got sick of it and this is a, it's actually a pretty cool event because it was my first step in just stepping out and taking a chance. I had $300 in my pocket. I had my black Labrador Retriever. I got in my car and drove out to California and I was going to live this lifestyle. And I'd heard about how real estate was the way to wealth and how you could do with no money down and without credit. And I'm sure a lot of people listening here today have probably heard, you know, they probably have heard that you can invest without cash or credit. That's why they're listening today. And, uh, you know, like many people, I got sidetracked. And all that fear started to creep up in me, you know, those false evidence appearing real. Yeah. And so I went out and I did the unthinkable. I got a job selling Viagra with <laughs> Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. <laughs> and and uh, you, um, you were done with school, right? Did you finish college? I did. I finished college okay. uh, with uh, my, my uh, magna cum laude. Uh, actually, I, I barely scraped by, but <laughs> I, I got my degree and I got a job. Uh, really, be, it, was a, it was a good job and a lot of people would have killed for it because I decided that that was the job I wanted. If I had to get a job, this was going to be the job that I wanted and I really went after it. Well, what great uh, sales training I bet you had in that, right? Oh, you know, and, and that's, that's a really, really great point, Joe, because you know, a lot of new real estate investors, they struggle being able to talk to motivated sellers or tenant buyers and that's one thing I did pick up yeah. is that sales and negotiation and being able to qualify sellers is really, really important because when I was there, they gave me phenomenal training. Yeah. Uh, and the problem was is I was working long hours and I, I was working for somebody else. I wasn't free to do what I wanted. I didn't have the uh, you know the freedom that I desired. I was earning good money. It wasn't it wasn't amazing. Um, had a company car, huge expense account, and I remember sitting at a, at a meeting one time. I won this award. It was called the Performance Award winner, and I'm thinking, how the heck did I win this? You know, <laughs> I'm not even that happy here, and I'm trying to get out. At this at this point, you know, I was already already looking at, at a way to get out, and so I had this trophy in my hand, and as I went up there and accepted it. My uh, my boss looked at me, and then he pointed over to the CEO of the company, and he said, "Todd, can you see yourself there?" And I'll never forget the question that he said. Yeah. Because he was expecting me to say yes, and in my head, I'm thinking, "No way. This is not the life that I wanted." And so, right then and there, it was that moment. I'll never forget it. I decided that I was gonna get out of corporate America and get involved in real estate. And uh, from then on, I, I remember that on the way home, I stopped off at a Barnes and Noble and picked up every book on real estate <laughs> that really? I could. <laughs> now, what what got you interested in real estate? You know, I just heard it, heard about it from the late night infomercials. You know, I wish I had, you know, some you know a more sexy story to tell you, but you know, I, I just knew it from the back of my mind. 
Yeah. And uh, maybe the late night infomercials that I saw or just hearing friends and family talk. I had none of the details, but you know, something drove me to the bookstore that day. And so I picked up a book by uh, Robert Allen, actually, Multiple Streams of Income. Yeah. And uh, I opened it and it was, I couldn't put it down. You know, I, I was reading about all the different strategies and it's a great basic book to get you motivated. Uh, I, I wouldn't recommend it if, you, if you're looking to invest in real estate from the start. You know, it's going to give you all the details that you need, but right. it's, a, it's a book to get you pumped up and, you know, it, it help you decide which direction that you want to go. Well, and Todd, speaking of books, are you going to talk about our friend? Our friend. Our mutual friend. Last name. Oh, sure. sure. Are, you, are you talking about uh, Michael? Michael. <laughs> no. Uh, Peter Conti. Okay, Peter, yes. Well, okay. Let's, let's, um, <laughs> I, I, I sent I Joe mean... a seller lead last night, so I don't know if he's oh, talking about Michael or not. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I should have mentioned that because uh, the great thing about networking with people is Todd sent me a great lead. Uh, the other day and I talked to the guy last night and uh, but anyway I wanted you were talking about books Todd and um, uh, there are some fantastic books out there and I think people will be surprised if they've never been to a Barnes & Noble or looked in Amazon for the, the quality of books that are out there on real estate investing and uh, we've talked before about uh, Peter Conti and David Finkel they've written about two or three really really good books um, I've read each and every one of those books oh they're fantastic aren't they they are. They're, I mean, they, they, I used to, the, the same thing where he's talking about infomercials, uh, that's what I did. Uh, that's what whet my appetite because I couldn't watch, I didn't have any money for cable TV, so I watched infomercials, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they would whet your appetite and be like, okay, I'll go to the seminar and wow, five grand, I can't afford that. So you, what do you do? You go to the bookstore and maybe try to buy something for 19, 20 bucks, you yeah. know? Yeah. Wendy, Wendy Patton has some some really good books on uh, lease options that I got to yeah. give a shout out to also. But okay, so you you well, got so, every so, book. So well, while I was picking up those books, you know, I didn't hear about lease purchasing right away, Joe. Yeah. And that was the thing. It was I had my hands in a bunch of different baskets. So you know, one thing I want to say to the callers today is focus is power. Okay, and that's a whole other. I'm gonna give you another book uh, book recommendation here in a minute. Yeah, because I was trying to learn about a million different strategies at this point, and I really wasn't getting anything done. You know, I, I got one deal done um, on actually it was an option deal. I didn't know it was an option deal; it was actually just a purchase contract, so I call it an option. Okay. And you know, after that, I was just moving in a million different directions. I was, I was trying to buy properties out of state. I was trying to buy nodes, trying to buy foreclosures, and I really. I really had no direction and, and yeah. no focus, and I think that's a, a thing, something that I see a lot yeah. um, in this business is that when people are looking to get involved, they just they see this bright new shiny object and they head over here for two weeks and then they go over there for two weeks, and they really become a master of no strategy at all. Right. And so I heard about lease purchasing through someone in my market, and I took him out to lunch. His name was Jerry, and then I started doing more research on it, and that's how I found. Uh, David Finkel and Peter Connie, who were partners at the time, yeah. got got their book, went to their seminar, um, made some mistakes at first. I think I, I, I um, my first two deals that I did weren't very profitable, but that's because I didn't take their advice from the coaching <laughs> I was learning. But you took <laughs> and, uh, action, Todd. <laughs> what's that? You you took action. Yes, yes, absolutely took action, and uh, the rest is history. You know, from awesome. then on out. 
I, I pretty much decided that I was going to control real estate and not own it unless it was going to be profitable in every way possible. So what what year was this approximately? Uh, that was probably, uh, I started in 2001 and then in 2003, uh, 2004, I made the decision to head strictly into lease purchasing slash options. And you're living in San Diego at the time? Living in uh, between San Diego and Santa Barbara. Okay. And mm -hmm. um, um, talk a little bit, Todd, what is control without ownership? What does that mean? Well, it all comes down to one keyword, and that's the option. One of the things that Jerry told me when we sat down is I was trying to pick his brain and ask him how he made all this money and how he became successful and how many properties he owned. And the first thing he said to me, he said, Todd, owning property has nothing to do with it. Hmm. And, and I'm like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, it matters what your cash flow and equity is. Cash flow and equity. I'm like, well, how do you have cash flow and equity without owning property? And he said, Todd, it's all about control, right. the option. It's the right to buy, not the obligation. It's a unilateral agreement, meaning that if you want to buy a property, you go into an agreement and you want to go ahead with that purchase, you go ahead and do so. But if it's not advantageous, if you can't make money, if the property is too much of a hassle, well, you can walk away. And that's what I love about the lease purchase option. Yeah. It gives you all the control, the advantages of owning investment property without the, um, I don't want to say obligation. Because you do, you know, you're obligated to fulfill your terms of the agreement. But if mm -hmm. the deal goes south, um, it's a lot easier to just tell the seller, uh, "Look, I I just cannot exercise this option," and uh, you just, you know, let your uh, option expire. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, you're absolutely right. Um, okay, so, well, Joe, can I make a, one more comment on that? Yeah, yeah. You know, the biggest thing is. You know, absolutely, relate, re realtors have one thing right. They don't have many things right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But they have one thing right, and that's relationships are everything in this business. Uh -huh. And so when we get into a lease purchase agreement with a seller, if let, let's say we're subletting, and I don't know if you've gone into that strategy at all on this podcast. No. Uh, but if, if we agree to lease a property from an owner, this is one of the strategies that we use, and pay that seller every single month, and take care of all the maintenance on the property, and buy the property, let's say at the end of three years. The seller's happy that we're taking care of their problems. Right. Well, at the end of the three years, I can decide to buy that property or not buy it. But if something, ha if something happens in the market and prices crash even further, or maybe there's some major problem with the property, well, I can always go back and renegotiate right. with that seller and just tell them what's going on. Right. So, you know, they're going to see that that's an issue. And if I don't buy that property, they're going to have to deal with that with a new buyer. Or if they take the property back, they're going to have to deal with a problem with a new tenant. And I know I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but, you know, it enables you to build that relationship with a seller and make a deal profitable on many levels. A lot of times I've gotten into deals on a lease purchase or an option, and the deal became way more profitable than the initial deal that we negotiated. Right. Yeah, because you can um, negotiate. And, and the. One of the little advantages of lease purchasing too is that um, you're not on title on the property, and you don't have to take over the deed, which sometimes raises some flags. Now there are instances when maybe it's a better strategy to take over the deed or buy a house subject to the existing mortgage, but again with lease options it just gives you more flexibility, and that's why I love it so much. It gives you the same amount of control, just gives you more flexibility. Um, to do more things. 
and um, really, really good. Okay, so this is 2002 uh, time frame, and uh, you find out about the lease purchase strategy. So what happens to you next, Todd? What do you start doing? Well, I start marketing haphazardly. <laughs> oh, yeah? Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the deals aren't coming my way. And, um, you know, and my, my mentors are saying, Todd, you got to have five to thrive, five to survive. Hmm. And, what, what do you mean by that? Well, they're saying you have to have five marketing sources going at all times. Hmm. You know, this, this business, it's not a hobby. You can't just choose to work a little bit today and get up and decide, hey, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I'm going to market, market five days from now or three days from now. Right. You got to have a plan. And if you need want to make a full-time income out of this, well, you can't go into battle without a plan. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was I just grabbed a sheet of paper and I just wrote down how I was going to market, how I was going to hit my farm area. Farm area is just a, an area of houses that you just pick out. And ideally in your city, it should be right around the, the median price. Right. And so I decided the five things that I was going to do to contact motivated sellers every single week. And I was working a full-time job at the time. So I only had about 15 hours to dedicate to this. Yeah. And so uh, I wrote it down and, and the things I wrote down were this. And I'll never forget it. I said, number one, bandit signs. Mm -hmm. And there were these little yellow signs that I ordered from a company at the time called the Witness Designs. I think they're in Oklahoma. I think they're still in business. Still in business? Yeah, Witness I think they're still in business. They're actually very cheap. Huh. Yep, they're, they're one of the better. Their service is pretty good? Yeah, service is pretty good. You know, I've, uh, I constantly have my VA shopping. And so uh, they've, they're very competitive, but I've found some better, uh, better companies online. I have my VA order for me now when I use them. Um, Who's your best company now for Bandit Time? Um, right now, my VA takes care of that, so I don't have all of them in front of me. But if you want, I guess that we can. <laughs> that's a whole nother. I, I don't know if that's a bad or a good thing. <laughs> that's a whole nother but, topic because Todd is, Todd uses VAs a lot. Good, very yeah, good. Yeah. Go ahead, Todd. So uh, you know, basically, they shop around and just they have my credit card number and order them, and then I have somebody else put them out. But I don't want to scare anybody on this call because. You know, when you first get started, you can easily do this yourself. Once you get some money in the bank, you can outsource all of this stuff. Yeah. So um, I decided that I was going to call 20 people a day out of the newspaper, and these ads were going to be aged, meaning that the the newspaper sitting on my desk was going to be at least two weeks old. And online access wasn't really that big, so I remember I had these stacks of newspaper sitting on my <laughs> desk. Oh yeah, I remember that. And that was a real pain in the neck. <laughs> You would you would age them, right? You would call back the ones that were like a week old or something. I would age them, and they were just really ugly looking and unsightly, and I couldn't figure the way to, to get them in my folder. So everyone listening, you're really lucky because you can just save them in PDF now, and <laughs> right. it's even cheaper. Right. <laughs> so you, um, you started cold calling ads. Great. I started cold calling ads. So how'd that go? Uh, well, um, at first, I had uh, good results because I sounded nervous on the phone and this is something that one of my initial mentors uh, taught me is that I didn't sound really salesy yeah. when I started to talk to people and I was able to get information. The good thing about this was that I was able to get in the houses of a lot of people. Right? They trusted me and I knew their financial situation. The bad thing is that I, I really didn't know how to qualify people before I'd go out there. and so. 
Um, I went to a lot of deals that probably I shouldn't have gone on where they weren't ready to do business. But I called and I called and even though I didn't have the skills, I started doing deals. Right? I, I didn't have any real real estate training on, on a deep level talking to motivated sellers. And I would just show up and ask if they wanted to do a lease purchase. And I went on a few appointments again that I shouldn't have gone on, but I started doing deals. Yeah. And it's not funny. You took action and stuff happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and even if you do it wrong, you know, I, I think a, a lot of people that think they have to be perfect or be able to talk to sellers the right way. I think the first and the most important thing now that I look back on it was just implementing whatever I could as fast as I could. And just getting that first check in my hand, that was really, really important for me to, to keep stay motivated and to fix things as I went along. Well said. Very good. So what were, what were the five marketing things that you were doing, Todd? It was signs, cold calls, and what else? I started to mail to out-of-state owners. Okay. Postcards? And, and out-of-state owners. And it was really funny. I was living in an awesome condo complex at the time in Santa Barbara. Uh -huh. It was right across the street from the, the water. And I was living in a room um, in, in some guy's house. And then I had uh, I rented another room in his house for my office. Huh. So I was paying like $600 a month for this like almost oceanfront condo. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, owning one of these on a lease purchase would just be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And so uh, it was funny because I got I went down to the county recorder's uh, office. And I got, I went by hand and I went down and I uh, wrote down all the out-of-state owners physically. Huh. <laughs> wow. And there were, uh, I think, 36 <laughs> names of people who owned condos were you, were you, Was this in the 60s or something? <laughs> <laughs> did, you use a, did you use a ballpoint pen or did you use ink and, and, and quill? People, I know, well, you know, the, the, the Santa Barbara records weren't even online. Or I, I wasn't even educated enough to do this. You know, I didn't even know that you could call up a title rep and get this list for free. Right. You know, that's that's where I was. Okay. Aren't we so spoiled nowadays? I mean, jeez. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so much easier than it used to be. It's really so streamlined. much easier. Yeah. Yeah. You is. know, and think about this. This is still the internet age, and I was doing this. Imagine what people were doing back in the eighties. Yeah. You know, it's. <laughs> you know, but the thing is. You've got to be doing, willing to do what it takes to make it work, and a lot of people aren't. So right. if people had to do what you just did or did, that right there would weed out a lot of people. And even yeah. now with things as easy as they are with access to information and everything, people just, you know, I hear people say, oh, Alex, I want this so bad. I want to do this so bad. I want to be able to do this. But then they can't show up, uh, you know, at, on, to seller's appointments on time. They don't return seller's phone calls. It's like what? Are you serious? Right. If you really want to, just, you got to do what's necessary. And these are just basic things. You're going down to the to the deep dark dungeon of the courthouse, digging up records and trying to find absentee homeowner. I mean, how how do you find absentee homeowners in a courthouse? There's no like filing system that <laughs> says here are the absentee homeowners. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because I remember I went down there. Uh, I remember I was supposed to be at work. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> nice. But, <and laughs> guilty. I'm guilty. I uh, know, guilty. Guilty. But um, I I went down there at like eight o'clock, and I had uh, bagels. I brought down there with cream cheese, and I begged the lady down there. I said, "Look, this is what I'm looking for. Can you show me how to do it?" And I had a big smile on my face, 
and I was, you know, I think I was 23 at the time. And she helped me. You know, she showed me what I should do, and I wrote it down. Nice. And I guess that's the other thing is that don't be scared to to ask for help. You know, it wasn't. You should have offered her some of your bagel. What's that? You should have offered her some of your bagel with cream cheese. Oh no, I brought it down there. I gave her the bagel. (laughs) (laughs) You? Is that what you did? You gave her the bagel with cream cheese and said, "Please help me." Yeah, I gave everyone down there. I was like, "Hey, I'm just, you know, I'm looking for some help. I got you guys some bagels and cream cheese." And um, you know, government employees—they're—they're—they're—they're they're, they're, yep. they're underappreciated, overworked, yep. and if you give them a little bit, man, they will give you everything. Yeah, that's so true. Um, and, and that's something actually that I learned from the drug industry. <laughs> we used to—I uh, <laughs> had these huge expense accounts where I could wine and dine these doctors and the nurses. Man, you—you—you you, you brought them a little bit of food, and they'll give you everything. Um, you know, after a while, there was so much money in the drug industry that you know that kind of got played out. But in the real estate industry. Really, no one's willing to spend, you know, seven bucks to give someone, you know, a, a little smile on their face, and it'll go a long, long, long way. Well, and it also um, helps when you're selling Viagra. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody's interested in that. But, but go ahead. <laughs> so, you know, I went down there, and it was really funny because I had these 36 letters, and I handwrote, I, 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 um, I handwrote them all. Yeah. And there was no really cool tools like yellowlettermail.com. Yeah. You know, so um, <laughs> I hand wrote them all and I put them in little small envelopes. It was all lumpy. Mm-hmm. Send out 36 letters and boom, I got three calls. Wow. Two weren't that motivated and one lady was living in Bakersfield, California. It was a vacation place for her and she wanted to do a deal. And uh, you know, she, didn't, she wasn't using the place. She was tired of playing the, uh, the HOA fees. And I remember meeting with her at the property. And it was just, I got in there and I was so nervous. My hands were shaking. And I had this contract <laughs> in my hand. And she looked at me and she goes, can you qualify for a loan? Oh. And I looked at her and I said, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't ask her this question before you met her. I didn't ask her this question before I met her. I, you know, I didn't qualify her, but you know, I, I was living in the condo complex. Yeah. But uh, long story short, I locked up my first option contract. It, it wasn't a lease purchase, but I locked up an option contract because I told her that I wanted to possibly bring in my brother-in-law to help me buy it. All right. <laughs> All right. Now, I didn't even talk to my brother-in-law about this, and right. I don't even know how much money he had. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I had the smarts enough just to lock the place up under contract. Good. And. Uh, I'm sure Alex, you know, and you guys love that because you guys wholesale. Oh yeah. Uh, but you know, if you lock a property under option, it's it's just a form of wholesaling, really, because you can decide to you know buy it or not buy it or sell the contract. Right. And so this was my my to me the first deal. Uh, the house was worth three hundred and seventy nine thousand dollars, and we agreed to an option price of two hundred and seventy five. Wow. So about a hundred, a hundred thousand dollars below market. Well, Todd, and the advantage to an option contract in that situation is um, that may be, and I'm probably getting ahead of you, but you know, in that price point, that may be something that um, investor buyers would not be interested in buying potentially. Um, so in that case, it may be better to have an option contract. But I'm gonna guess that uh, you tried to sell it to um, owner occupants. Am I right? You know, at first I tried to sell it to owner occupants, the option, but I had no idea what I was doing. Okay. Okay. And again, this is you know going out there and just making it happen. 
Yeah. But okay. I, you know, I didn't even know I didn't even know Craigslist existed at the time. And Craigslist wasn't even all that big. And so I put an ad in the paper and I listed it, you know, the wrong way. And I wasn't even sure if I could flip the contract. I was I was playing fast and loose. So if I knew what I knew now, I would have locked this place under a lease purchase. Uh, and I would have kept the property because three years later that house was worth six hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> That's California. That's California. In, but in the mid two thousands. In in the two thousands. But you know what? Again, like you said, I took action and I called up my brother-in-law and I called up a bunch of other people. I remember calling up some, uh, I have several brothers, but calling up several people asking if they wanted to buy the place and I got a lot of no's. Finally, I, I did talk to my brother-in-law last. He bought the property, got a loan on it. We turned around, sold it three days later for almost a $100,000 profit. Wow. We, we paid a real estate agent 2% to sell it and after closing cost, I made about $40,000. Good for nice. you. Now, could you have listed it on the MLS um, first thing? Do you think you would have sold it yourself then? Uh, you know, we could have, but I pretty much did that. I mean, I, I gave a selling agent 2%. But, you know, I, I, now there's all these flat fee listing brokers where I could have put it on there. And I remember the, the market was so hot at the time. We, you know, we put a sign out in front. We had multiple offers coming in on the on the thing, and we only had on the market for 24 hours. If, again, if if I knew then what I knew now, I probably would have countered everybody, and yeah. you know, it tried to hold on to the thing at the time. But you know, you live and you learn. Instead of you know, instead of uh, making 400 grand, I made 40. But hey, you know, 40 thousand dollars at the time that's fantastic was a lot of money to me. That's and, fantastic. Hey, you know what? It still is. Yeah. Yeah. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that came from, I think that's a verse in the Bible. Um, hmm. All right, so then what? So, you know, then I, I was continuing my lease purchase education, and I went out and I, I just started marketing, and I was, I was so excited. And right then and there, I was, I, that was like my real confidence booster. And I started buying properties out of state, and I lost track a little bit, and uh, building up some cash flow, and I started getting sick of tenants. And really, you know, it came back to me where even after I drifted away from lease purchasing, I went to the bank and they told me that I, I couldn't get another bank loan, okay. even though I had good credit because I was acquiring them too fast. Now you were buying properties out of state? I was buying properties out of state in Oklahoma. Why? You know, that's a good question. I probably should have asked myself that before I did that. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, but the cash flow. Okay. The cash flow is why. I mean. Uh, properties were screaming in appreciation um, back then, but you're looking they for properties were. that cash flowed. But I remember at the time you could get these little investor loans at five percent. So I was putting five percent down on these hundred thousand dollar properties in Oklahoma, yeah. buying them for you know fifteen percent below market, and they were cash flowing three to four hundred dollars a month. So right. I was building some equity in here. I had some cash flow. The problem was is that I wanted to get out of my job, and I couldn't access any of that equity. And the cash flow, it was coming in, but I was dealing with tenant issues and property managers and a little bit of you know tenants and toilet issues and the, the, the income wasn't really coming in all that fast. And so I was thinking there's got to be a better way. And, and that really, even though I had start my, started my lease purchase education, it was really until 24 months afterwards that I really decided, you know what, this is the only way that I'm going to do business because I, I want to find a way to make money right now. I can't deal with the banks because it's not going to work. 
I don't really want to deal with tenants on a deep level. Um, and I got to find a way to access the equity, you know, right now. I, I can't wait if I'm going to get out of corporate America. Right. You can't eat equities. Yeah, all right. I can't eat equity. And, and by the way, to me, as I've gotten through this journey, Joe, is that I realize it's not about ca just cash flow. It's about cash flow and equity. You have to have both, in my opinion, or else you're on a treadmill. So right. no matter what strategy that you're using right now, if you know, you're know you using lease options or you're signing contracts or you're wholesaling, that's awesome. You have to eat and that should be a big part of your business. But if you're not thinking about investing for your future in, in some way, shape or form, you should think twice because at the end of 15 years, you got to think what's going to be at the end of that tunnel. Yeah. You know, if you want to take off a year or spend some time with your family or think about why you got in this business and it, is your current path taking you there. Yeah, good. So and the great so, thing about lease purchasing is it allows you to create some profit up front, some cash flow over the over the life of the investment and a big payday at the end, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how are we doing on time? You know, if you want, I could talk about one of my really, really big lease purchase deals and then kind of some of the stuff I'm working on right now. You know, where do you want to take yeah, this? Let's talk about some big deals that you've done and, and try to get into specifics on how you found the seller, how you negotiated the deal, how the paperwork worked and uh, talk about some good deals. Okay. So I'll, I'll tell you about one of my favorite deals and you know, it's funny, I should probably, I probably am going to tell you guys too much, but whatever. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I remember uh, dri driving in the car and you know, this is probably my third year in the lease purchase business and there's a newspaper sitting in my car that had been there. I remember I was driving on this road, it was Bancroft Road, I was sitting on a light and I looked to my right and there's this aged newspaper sitting there. And out of the corner of my eye, under the rent-to-own ads, at the time there was a rent-to-own section in the San Diego Union Tribune. Wow. And it said, um, luxury estate for sale, owner extremely motivated, flexible terms, call Scott. So I got on the phone and I called Scott and I said, hey, will you be interested in, in selling me your house but renting it to me for a couple of years first? And he said, absolutely. And he gave me the address of the property and I went down there. And I got to the property. This thing is 4,500 square feet. It's got a pool. It's got an amazing view. It's got this ocean breeze coming in out of it. And I'm, and I'm thinking, how am I going to put together a deal on this thing? <laughs> and Scott is looking at me like, dude, you're like 20, 23, 24. You know, how are you going to buy this house? But he indulged me. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're sitting there, we're sitting there and I'm saying, Scott, how about I'll lease this place from you and I'll buy it at the end of, you know, three years. He was asking $1.1 million and it appraised at 1.25. And uh, he said, sure, you know, I'll do that, except I won't give you three years. I'll give you one year. And, uh, you know, I want you to give me $10,000 up front and I want $4,000 a month. Wow. And I said, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I could take on that risk. And we just sat there and we just talked for about 10 minutes, just about family and his background. He was a builder, place was sitting vacant and he had a house up higher on the hill. Super, super nice house. And I said, look, I don't want to take on that risk. I got to find a way to make money, but I'm going to sublease this place. And so I told him exactly what I was doing. I was really honest. I didn't try to hide the fact that I was doing that. And so immediately we went from adversaries to working on the same team. So I said, what if I could fill this place for you um, and I wouldn't have to give you any money up front. It'd be contingent upon me finding a buyer. 
And anything I sell this place over 1.1 will split 50-50. Good. And all of a sudden, he got a big smile on his face. And we shook hands and we locked up the deal. What did he, what did he want in monthly rent? Do you remember those? He days? wanted $4,000 a month. So you still agreed to give him 4000 I agreed, to, but I told him that I wasn't going to give him any money until I found a tenant buyer. He was going to give me 60 days. I was going to sublease this thing because he didn't want to manage it. And he said that he would give me one year, not three years to buy the property. And so normally I, I, I'd like to get nice long terms, but I figure, you know, I have no risk in this deal. Why not go for it? Yeah. And so I, uh, I locked up the property and I remember we went to a little uh, Kinko's where he was, I don't even know if it was Kinko's at the time, but it was Kinko's. We got the deal notarized. I went down to the county recorder's office and recorded the contract. And this is a one page agreement that had the lease and the option you know, together. And I went down and I clouded the title. And that's something very, very important that you want to do whenever you lock up a lease purchase deal where there's a lot of profit and you're going to be subleasing because you don't want the owner to try to change his mind later. Right. So that was the first step. And I remember I had to leave town right away. <laughs> and again, a lot of this, this, this stuff that I, I'm saying on here, guys, um, you know, it's not necessarily the way that you should do it, but I'm just telling you because this is the way it went. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, I don't necessarily record the agreements anymore. I record a form called the memorandum of option so that you don't have to have the details of the transaction just broadcast to the entire world. Yeah. But anyway, I recorded the agreement and I put signs out rent to own, uh, five bedroom, four bath, $4,500 a month, no bank qualifying. And the phone started ringing off the hook. I got a lot of calls. The only problem was, as I was out at a business meeting at the time, and so I had the seller actually show the property for me. <laughs> wow. And I don't always recommend doing that, but it was my only choice. I didn't have an employee working for me or a realtor. I didn't even think about that. And uh, he showed the property and Scott called me and said, Todd, you, you got to come back. This buyer is hot, 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 hot. And so I got back first thing. I showed him the property. And I remember uh, Larry and Kathleen was their name, super nice people. And they wrote me a $30,000 option deposit to lock up the property on the spot. Right there. Right there. And I remember is that I also had uh, some other people off the property to put some pressure on them so that we could create some competition. But I remember that Larry and Kathleen, they were my hot prospects and they really wanted the property. And they they were really motivated to leave that check that day. And so they, they agreed to pay me $4,500 a month and buy the property for 1.25 million. Nice. So right away, on the, on the first year, I made $30,000 up front, I'm making $500 a month cash flow, and at the end of a year, I made thirty six grand. And they the only reason it. why, I, what's that? They did buy it. They, well, that was if they didn't buy, because that option money okay. is 100% non-refundable. It, you know, it's 100% credit towards the purchase if they buy non-refundable, if they don't. Right. So either way, I made that money. But we really wanted to see them buy the property. So. The owner was actually actually a mortgage broker, so the entire time he's working with them to get them qualified. End of the year, they bought the property. So I made the 36k between option money and rent credits, and then we split the 1.1 to 1.25 at closing. So that was 115 thousand dollars that Scott and I split 50/50. Beautiful. So after all said and done, I made over 70k on that deal. I helped to pay for the closing costs and some other concessions at the end, but everyone won. Yes. And they they bought the property and that was a really, really good Christmas. I remember we closed right before Christmas on oh, that deal. Oh. 
<laughs> Were you married at the time? I was married. I was married. I was just married. Your wife, I'm sure she was impressed. She was. And, you know, it's funny. I showed her the check and, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty much what I made an entire year at my work. So, uh, you know, she was, she was pretty excited. <laughs> the, great thing about, the great thing about that strategy as you describe it is um, you can convince, well, it's, it's easy to convince the seller. Sometimes the sellers are worried that, you know, I don't want to be a landlord and have to worry about maintenance and all of this stuff. But if you approach it as, look, I'm going to be the tenant and I'm going to be subleasing this out. I'm going to stay in the middle and manage this property, et cetera, et cetera. It gives that seller um, a much better feeling, and it makes it a lot more easier to do the deal. Am I right, Todd? Mm -hmm. oh, you, uh, absolutely. You call yeah, it your you uh, trust. I'm sorry, Todd. You call it the uh, perfect tenant program. Is that right? Uh, I, I don't call it the perfect tenant program. Oh, I thought no, you did. Um, I thought that's, I a, that's that a great from, name. I thought I got it from you. Um, hmm. Maybe it was Peter Conti. <laughs> Somebody. I, I thought it was you. I could swear. I've been telling people it was you. Uh, so I'm give, give, giving you credit for something you didn't even <laughs> Yeah, it's called the Perfect Tenant Program, um, where you'll be the tenant and you'll take care of the maintenance and repairs and vacancies and all that good stuff. If the numbers well, I, work. I do say that all the time, but I don't call it the Perfect Tenant Program. Ah, okay. Well. But so hey, that, maybe I'll use it. That sounds great. <laughs> but um, that's awesome. So that was, what year was that too, by the way? Oh, that was probably 2000, uh, 2004. Okay. We, I do want to talk about a couple of things here. Um, one, what, what, how did your strategies change when the market changed? Number two, uh, what are your, some of your favorite marketing tactics? And number three, uh, I want to talk about bird dogs. Um, but talk a little bit, Todd, about um, the market started changing um, mm -hmm. and San Diego was hit pretty hard. What were some of the things that you did to change and uh, why does lease purchasing still work? even when the market's going down? Well, the funny thing is that, you know, people started to say that you, that you couldn't do lease purchasing when the market was falling. Oh, yeah. Well, then they said that, you couldn't do it when the market was going up. And they said it right. I remember being in my first coaching program and everyone was saying, the market's too hot. It's too hot. And yeah. so, you know, the first rule of investing, don't listen to anybody else exactly. <laughs> unless, unless they're more successful than you. Right. And uh, what I started doing was I just started selling the contracts and, and very similar to what you do, Joe, in wholesaling lease options is I started to get into these deals and making them one to two years with the buyers and then just assigning the contract to the buyers because I, I didn't want to deal with any negative cash flow and I didn't want to deal. There was no back end profit if prices were going to be falling. Right. So I was assigning those contracts to the buyers and, and between 2005 and 2008, uh, that was maybe even 2009, I was 95% assigning contracts and consulting with sellers. I was showing sellers how to fill their own properties with tenant buyers. It's a nice little income stream in this business, by the way. Oh, yeah. Once you learn how to fill a property with a tenant buyer, you just create an income stream for yourself because you can teach sellers how to do that. And, and you also have, um, in addition to your consulting strategy, um, you also would collect promissory notes, notes on deposits. Talk a little bit about that because that's, that's mm -hmm. something I learned a lot from you. Sure. Well, we, you know, we used to assign these contracts and lock up a deal with a seller and then just assign it to the tenant buyer. And one day I was sitting there and I was trying to sell a contract for $25,000. 
And the buyer told me, Todd, you know what? I, I don't have $25,000. I really want this property. I have great income. How about you sell me this contract and I'll give you $10,000 today and you finance the rest into a monthly payment. Mm -hmm. And I thought for a second and I said, okay, because I was making money up front. So what the heck? You know, the property was sitting for 60 days. So I signed the contract and basically created a promissory note, a, a cash flow stream every single month yep. for the right to take my place in the property. And the cool thing about that was that I assigned the contract, I was out of the deal, the seller was dealing with the tenant, the tenant was dealing with the buyer, but I was still getting paid for the deal over and over again every single month. <laughs> yes, through that promissory note. <laughs> through that promissory note. And you know, it, it, the listeners, you're probably thinking, oh, what if they don't pay? Well, my first reaction is, so what? <laughs> right. You know, you still, you still made money on the front end. The, the great thing is, is that I, I still get paid on 75% of them. Mm-hmm. And the ones that I don't, well, I have creative creative ways to get paid, and we'll just leave it at that for now. Okay, all right. <laughs> but you do set them up for success. I mean, you, you make sure they can afford the house. They're not getting in over their head. Um, and uh, you, you, you have ways to protect. We don't have time to go into this, but you, know, you have ways to protect the tenant buyers um, and the sellers. And, and one thing, too, I, I want to mention real quick is, you talked about putting an option on a property and assigning it. I know people are going to be asking, well, what if the prices go down? That's one of the biggest, best advantages of lease purchasing. Mm -hmm. Because for the tenant buyer, they should be glad they didn't buy that house. If it just lost 50 grand in value, they should be grateful that they're only in a lease purchase. And oh, they, and absolutely, they only, Joe. One more thing, and I'm so passionate about this portion in particular. Yeah. Because once you have a tenant buyer on a property, Joe, you, you also have almost an option. Once you have their option money, you, ha you have an option on that buyer. Mm -hmm. So even if the house that they're in goes down in value, and I call this my price protection guarantee. Right, good, yeah, I was hoping you get well, to this. They should be stoked because now I, what I can do is I can, if they can qualify for a loan, you can go out and get them an FHA loan to buy a bigger property a better property for a better price and they can get into that home mm -hmm. and you can help them with their down payment with their option money that they paid you and then if you wanted to I know I'm kinda maybe going off on a tangent here but you could collect an assignment fee from a new seller if you lock the property under contract for that property Yeah. so options are so powerful because you have an option with a seller you control the buyer you can find a new property if, if things don't work out, find a solution and make even more money. And, and that's the biggest thing is that if you own property, you have no options. If you control it, you have all the options. And that's pun intended. Yeah, that, and that's really, really good. Really good. All right, so the market starts falling. What are you doing now, Todd? Well, I started signing contracts from 2005 to 2009. Okay. And you know what? I felt like I was a little bit, I was making great money and had all these income streams coming in. And I'm watching as this market's starting to flatten out here, and I'm thinking, you know what? Let's start building that equity portion again. Yeah. You know, it's time to get back to that cash flow equity with control. And so the sandwich is back. The sublet is back. <laughs> you know, I'm I, I'm locking up as many long-term options as possible. Anytime any person who's bought a property in the past two years has no equity whatsoever. Right. So. If they need to sell, you're the person to talk to. And if they want to do a short sale, well, you can lock up a long-term option on that property. And so I'm just going to you know, not really go too deep into the sandwich, but I'd address that. 
The other uh, types of deals that I'm working on right now are working with investors. If you want to combine actual wholesaling and lease options, I'm not talking about wholesaling lease options, I'm talking about staying in the middle of these deals. There's a really killer strategy that I'm working on right now where you find 20, uh, properties 20% below market for investors. Great deals, they, they'll come in with a new loan, they'll buy that property. Qualify with a, either, with, with it, they'll buy it with a loan or they'll buy it with their IRA or, or the cash they have. And now what you'll do is they'll give you a 99 year option. Now I, I, I'll, huh. let's, let me stop there for a second. What I will do then is I'll partner with the new investor and I'll fill that property with a tenant buyer. We'll collect an option payment, we'll collect above market rents, and we'll sell the place for an excellent sales price. And we will keep putting tenant buyers in there, collecting option fees, rent spreads, and a back end profit all throughout the process of this agreement until somebody buys the property. Now me and the investor are gonna split the profits 50-50. The option money, the cash flow above the, the loan, and the repairs on the property, and also when we sell the property, we're gonna split that 50-50. The really cool thing about this is that this is a really, really good deal for the investor yeah. because they don't have time to find these deals. They don't have time to manage them. They don't know how to create hassle-free tenants who are gonna pay above market rents. And they certainly don't know how to sell a place for top market price without paying a real estate commission. So this is the cash flow and equity stuff that I'm talking about because during that, you know, over this period of time, that loan is gonna get paid down Prices are going to start to go up, hopefully, sometime in the next decade. <laughs> and you're going to make money over the long haul. So I'm starting to do a lot more of these. I just finished one up uh, this past week, and I'm looking at the numbers, and uh, we're going to make over 100K over it um, if we hold the property for 24 months. Nice. And again, the advantage of having an option on the property um, is if the market, market does not go back up like you hope it will, uh, you're still protected. Mm -hmm. You're still protected. Very good. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about bird dogs. You've uh, used bird dogs in the past, and you're, 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 I know we're, you were talking before, before about starting to use bird dogs again. How did you use bird dogs in the past, and why did it work so well? Well, this was a real shift in my business when I started to use bird dogs. And I recommend, you know, as soon as you have your first deal or two underneath your belt, you should implement this right away. Yeah, uh, I started putting ads on Craigslist and uh, putting signs on the side of the road and advertising for people to help me out in my business. And I remember my, the first time I did this, uh, I would just tell people a little bit about myself, how I specialized in lease purchasing, uh, how they could learn this business from me by just ba bringing me deals. And, and any deal that they brought me, I would give them 25% of the profits plus I would give them 25% of, uh, I'm sorry, I would give them the upfront fee that they paid me. I didn't mention that. I, ha I had them pay me a small fee to get involved in my bird dog program and that's really, really important. Okay. Because you're gonna have to spend some time training these people and teaching them how to find the right deals and how to screen them and how to get them to you. And so I, I charge them a, nom a nominal fee. I believe it was just a couple hundred bucks at, at first. And I called everybody back and had everyone meet me at Kinko's and I remember the room was so dirty and I was spun, wiping off the, <laughs> wow. the countertop, cleaning it in there. And I remember uh, I had my first group of bird dogs and out of 10 people, I had 10 people sign up that day and eight of them never brought me a thing. Mm -hmm. They never tried, they gave up like most people. 
Well, I had two people in there from day one who brought me deals and they worked with me for about two years, sending me deals, just bringing me leads. They were pre-qualified, they had pictures of the property, they told me what the seller's motivation were, was. And I'm thinking, wow, this is a way to leverage your time. Right. And so that was the beginning of my teamwork apprentice program where I was leveraged myself locally to have people bring my bring my deals and 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 you may be thinking Todd well you know why would these people bring you deals they do all the marketing and you know not do the deals themselves and it comes down to one thing confidence is that a lot of people want their hands held they want someone to walk them through the deal and, and probably rightfully so you know my my first few deals um, I lost money on and because I didn't have the right knowledge, didn't have the right coaches and mentors, right. and I, I lost out on 300 grand on that one deal that I was telling you about because I didn't have someone to guide me through the process. And so as, as you have people bring you these deals, well, they want to learn the process and learn the business and make money while they're learning, and, and they're happy to do it for a period of time. Right, that's good. So you were, um, how many bird dogs did you have at, one, at any one time when you were doing this? Sure, um, and, and right now we're, we're still doing it. Uh, but right now, uh, at the at the high point, I probably had two hundred. You know, when I when I got involved in more coaching and consulting, you know, I, I had uh, I was spending more time with people all across the country. Well, now the deals are getting just so good. Uh, I'm really building up the San Diego program uh, again to yeah. an army of people who want to learn this business, uh, and it's a phenomenal way. The, the response that we've had. Um, immediately, or people are excited, and and they want to learn how to invest in real estate. That they don't want to go into it by themselves. You could teach them how to market, and uh, we already have leads coming in. Just the, the biggest thing when you do this um, is you know you, you make sure that you charge a little something for your buyers, your 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 bird dogs when you bring okay. them in, and you give them the right training. You can't just throw them out there. You know, teach them how to market the right way, and you want to we qualify them really well. Uh, we teach them how to excuse me how to qualify the leads really well, how to fill out our cash flow lead tracker form, which basically asks the seller while they're selling, how much they owe, how much they how much it's worth, what do they want. They have to have pictures of the property, and uh, have to have some comps. And so once they do that, I mean they've saved you 85 to 90 percent of the work. And they'll bring me the lead, and I'll go out there and I'll I'll do one more pre qualification call with the seller, and I'll meet the seller at the property with the bird dog and they can watch me put the whole deal together and they get the advantage of being mentored by somebody local in their market who understands the market and knows it well I, I would agree yeah hey cool Todd talk about um, some of your favorite marketing strategies what what are some of your favorite ways to find seller leads okay so a little bit of controversy here uh -oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> and this changes this changes all the time because I hate 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 that question Joe I hate it <laughs> okay, go ahead, give it to me. Because when a student asks you that, okay, what are they looking for? Uh, quick fixes. Quick fix. They're looking for the golden ticket, right? Well, for me, and I always say, it's like growing tomatoes. Okay, you need a lot of things going all the time to to get the results that you want. It's never one thing. Yeah. That being said, I'll give you my favorite. Okay. Give me, how about your top four? <laughs> the the top four okay um, number one and I recommend everybody do this no matter what your experience level no matter how scared you are no matter how much you think you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone 
Public speaking. How about that? I want you to go to a realtor's office and tell them what you do. I want you to go to an escrow office and tell them what you do. I want you to join a Toastmasters group. And Toastmasters is a very inexpensive speaking club. I recommend everyone on this call sign up today. Um, and tell people what you do. Because once you do that, the deals start coming. Referrals are the most powerful source of, of customers. And so a lot of people don't do that because they think they don't have enough experience or they're not a good speaker. Well, anything worth doing is, is worth doing poorly. <laughs> I, I heard Bill Tan say that. I don't know if it's oh. his, 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 his statement or, or somebody else's. But just go out there and do it. You know, don't go out there and looking, you know, looking silly because public speaking will give you a tremendous amount of credibility. Yeah. And if you have a problem that you can solve, you will get referrals. So I, I highly recommend that. And, and that's only one. And the people who take me seriously on this are always the students who do the deals. Interesting. I've never heard that answer before, but I like it. All right. So what's now, those those leads won't pour in. Yeah. Okay. But they, they they're great leads and they come in. Okay. In addition, anytime I do a public speaking engagement, I get everyone's information and I follow up with them with a mailing. Okay. Okay. So I recently just did a talk at CF Escrow, who's an escrow company, and told everybody exactly what I did. And I I didn't go in and saying, hey, send me your deals, help me out. Mm -hmm. I focused on them. Right. And I said, I want, I'm here for one reason only, and to make you more money. How am I going to do that? Any deal that comes in, okay, that falls out, okay, you, you call me and I'll make an offer on that property and I'll keep it in this office. I'll make sure you collect your commission if I buy the property. Even if I don't do the escrow, I'll pay you your escrow fee. Cool. Um, and it, it was funny because I asked the question, I said, you guys probably don't have any escrows or, or, or deals that fall apart, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Right, <laughs> and everybody, we all got a good chuckle out of that. Um, and, you know, I, I just did that, uh, you know, a few days ago, and I got two referrals um, coming in. I put an offer on a property just recently. Wow. So, that being said, I recommend that you do that. My uh, second favorite lead source, if you're new, is a go out and get on the telephone and start calling people because that's proactive. Yeah. If you're a new investor and you're looking at all the bright shiny objects out there. And you're like looking out to purchase FreedomSoft or uh, you know REI BlackBook or, or you know all this like cool software. Those are all great tools, and you can use them in your business. But they mean nothing if you don't get on the phone and start talking to sellers. Right. So go out there and make some phone calls. So I I love to get on the telephone and make it happen. Okay. And my third favorite is one that I'm going to give Joe 100% credit for. <laughs> and this is related to calling, but Joe called me up one day and he said, "Todd, you got to try this." And he's and, I, and I'm saying, "What?" He goes, "You got this like automated call blast robo calling thing." And I'm like, "Ah, oh, it doesn't work, Joe." <laughs> <laughs> right, I remember. Yeah, you know, there's no way I'm doing that. Everyone hangs up, and he goes, and I'm like, "Ah, eh, it's expensive," you know, and I ignored him. So Joe called me uh, a couple months later. He said, "Todd, you got to try this." And I said, I'm doing deals. And I said, all right. And it was about two, two months or so. And I, saw, uh, I decided to try it. He gave me the website. 
Is it okay if I share it, Joe, or is that exclusive for your students? No, no, go ahead. Uh, he said, Todd, use callfire.com. Mm -hmm. And so I tried up Callfire. I had uh, my virtual assistants load up all of these names that we got off Craigslist in the newspaper. And we sent out 600 calls, and I got, I think, 15 responses. Well, <laughs> I got one call from a guy who was super motivated, and I locked up a lease purchase deal that netted me 30 grand. <laughs> Whoa, where's my commission? Where's I know. My, well, I, said, my I, I still owe you that fruit basket. <laughs> I guess talk. I should refund you for the course that you bought from me. <laughs> yeah, well, we need at least, at least, good grief. Well, good for you, man. So, now, let me do say this. Um, proceed with voice blasting at your own risk. Um, you know, we're not lawyers. We don't pretend to be one. We don't play one on TV. Um, but, you know, it, it is uh, a more ninja type of uh, marketing tactic. And uh, just do some research on your own local laws and all that good stuff to uh, make sure that um, it's okay to do it. Um, but uh, I, I, it's a great strategy, and you can also uh, do text messaging um, also in addition to that. Very inexpensive to do. You know, it's, it's funny. Joe is always uh, you know, more conservative than me, and I totally appreciate <laughs> that, you. I, I, have, I have one... Uh, and I'm not saying to listen to my advice at all, but I have one philosophy when it comes to call blasting. Uh-huh. Dial, baby, dial. Well, yeah, this is what, if you ask Todd, you'll say, man, if you're not pissing enough people off, you're not doing enough marketing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and it, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So call blasting is my, my third favorite. Um, I really like to mail letters. I'm not a big fan of postcards. Um, because I, I feel like a letter is more powerful, but I know people who are really, really successful. What? Did he say fan of postcards? <laughs> Did that wake you up, Alex? <laughs> you know, and, 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 look, you know, and, and that's the really cool thing. Go ahead, Alex. Go ahead. Give it to me. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll just, I'll just, I'm just joking with you. But no, it's interesting because the leads and deals that you're talking about are so much different than the deals and the traditional wholesaling that I do because you could take leads that have no equity and do deals with them. Main, mainly, I need deals with like gobs and gobs and gobs of equity and then some in order to do a wholesale deal on them, you know? Right. So it's interesting. Like, So for me to go into an escrow office or a realtor's office, I mean, I'd have to go and say, who do you know that wants to sell at 40 cents on the dollar? And they'll say, well, shoot. I'd buy it myself if that was the case. <laughs> right. You know, so it's it's a little different business model than um, than what I do, but that's that's really neat. That and that's something like with your program with the uh, mentorship um, apprenticeship program. It's something that because there's such an abundance of this, competition really doesn't matter, and you can play it to your to your advantage. Whereas somebody like me, where the deal uh, for something for me to be a deal, I've got to get at least a hundred leads to maybe find two, maybe three, maybe even less. But with you guys, you get a hundred leads. You guys can pull deal, you know, a ton of deals out of that, couldn't you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's you know, and, and let me comment on that. Is that you know maybe I don't give postcards a fair shot. So and and, and listen to this. Is that you know Alex is um, 
you know, all for postcards and I'm saying all for letters. So even if that even strategy didn't, even if, you know, that whole thing that we just said about different strategies and different marketing methods didn't work and it was just a difference of philosophy, you know, there's no golden ticket, guys. You know, go ahead and just start marketing. Don't toil over what you should do. Just go out there, pick something and do it. Yeah, good. Well said. But you know, in regards to, I just happen to like the the yellow letters so much that I lean towards them instead of the postcards. So I, I'm not opposed. I guess opposed to postcards more than I just love letters. And who do you mail your letters to, Todd? Uh, I use two lists. I use the non-owner occupieds in a specific farm area. Okay. That I, I I've chosen, and I mail to them over and over and over again. Yep. And then now I've just started to um, use a list which I'm having good success with, with people who have FHA loans who have bought in the past 24 months. Ah. Why FHA? FHA. Because they have no equity. Because they only have to put, wow. Hmm. And where do you get that? The list? man goes after no equity deals. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and how do you get that list? Sure. Well, there's a couple lists um, that I local. I, I use a local um, company in in my area for most of my leads. I've I've used a couple, but I've used uh, Sales Genie for for one uh, one list, um, and they're a little more expensive. I've used uh, I think List Source. I've yep. used um, Mail Management Group. That's locally where I am. But if you use Mail Management Group, they're in El Cajon. They can pretty much pull any list for you. Um, for you. So look, look around for sources and prices change. Don't be scared to shop. Yeah. Well, El Cajon's my old stomping grounds. But um, do, does this company in El Cajon, do they do um, nationwide or just? Nationwide. Okay. And what was the name of that again, Todd? Mail Management Group. Mail Management Group. Um, very good. But two, okay, that's interesting because I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Um, there, there's a lot of money to be made in um, wholesaling deals that don't have any equity in them, and um, there, you know, it takes. It's different, you know. There maybe not as much money as you might make on a big wholesale deal with a lot of equity, but you can do so many more of them more frequently. Um, so whatever to each his own. Whatever you feel like you love doing, but I think Todd, you nailed it at, on nailed it at the beginning when you said you need to find one or two things and just focus on that and stick to it. Um, so that's now, Todd, are you just doing regular um, lease options, or are you actually doing these on like wraps, where owner financing, where you could collect bigger fees on the on the sale? Okay, we're back here. We had a little technical difficulties. Um, and, and Alex, I can't get back him back on the phone here, but uh, Todd, he was asking about, um, you're, are you tying up these properties in a um, just lease option, or are you doing any kind of wraps where you're getting, you're buying a house subject to the existing mortgage and selling it on, an, on owner financing? A great question, Joe. And one of the things that I really like about this business is that initially I almost always do a lease option because it's the least intimidating for a seller. Right? A lot of people are willing to lease the property or give me an option before they give me title. Right. But during that process, right, you, build, you build trust and you pay them on time and you do exactly what you said you were gonna do. 
and they'll pretty much do anything after that. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 thoroughly convinced that once you get your foot in the door, I don't know how far I can push it. Um, I, I I test limits all the time, but you know, once I've been in a deal for a few months, I get power of attorney from the sellers. I can switch it to you know subject to or an owner financing. Um, so you know, it really really depends on on the deal. I've gotten into a lot of lease options where. I'd convert them to a sub two or an owner financing deal, but you only do it if it's profitable. If right. You're, if you're, you know, if there's a positive cash flow and it's really strong, and there's some equity in the deal, then you know, transfer it over. And, and that's one of the things. If you have a lot of, if you have a lot of equity in a deal and it's strong cash flow, and you're worried about the seller not selling to you, in in, in addition to all the other things we use to secure agreements. Switching it to a subject two is is not a bad idea. Once you're in the deal, as long as you, you know, it works for you. Yeah, and it may be a good idea too when um, you're maybe have some worry that the seller may go into foreclosure, or um, if they you're bringing them out of foreclosure. That's more advanced stuff. We don't need to focus on that right now. But um, we were talking about your favorite marketing strategies. I think we, one of the things we left off with was uh, yellow letters, and I love that idea of uh, homes that were bought two years ago on FHA, because um, those are homes that probably are you know have not dropped in a tremendous amount of value, if any, and uh, very little equity in them, and those are great properties to tie up on options to either wholesale. Or to keep now, it's, I think it's important. I'll mention this real quick too, Todd. I think it's important when you're when you're keeping properties that maybe don't have a bunch of equity right now, but they have some decent cash flow. It is so important that you only do those kinds of deals on homes in good neighborhoods. Do you know what I'm talking about, Todd? Oh, absolutely. I mean. I, I try not to do deals on any de- on any house that's right. not a good neighbor. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but especially with those, when you're going to stay in the middle, um, we just did an interview with Jake, uh, Michael Jake, Michael Jake out of Colorado Springs, Colorado. And uh, he was talking about doing a lot of those deals right now. He's starting to do the same thing, starting to pick those up for long-term buy and holds. Uh, and, um, but, yeah, go ahead and finish your thought there. Well, I, I, I 100% uh, agree with you. I, I wrote a post on my blog one time called uh, Lease Purchase Pitbulls. <laughs> wow. And, uh, <laughs> you, you know, I, I don't know if I need to really go into detail there, but <laughs> it was a deal that I was so happy to get out of, you know, that the, the neighborhood the, the neighbor had like six pitbulls in, in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> right. And needless to say, I assigned that contract and got out of there. And I, I had a hard time assigning the deal. Mm. But, you know, the nicer the areas, the easier life will be. Oh, don't, definitely. You know, don't think this business is easier if you're dealing in lower-priced properties because it's not unless you're, you know, wholesaling junkers. Right. Very well said. So is there any other type of marketing you like to do? I love bandit signs. Okay. I love bandit signs, although most of these, most of the time now I have my bird dogs put them out. Right. And you're doing them mainly to find buyers or sellers? Oh, I, to, for both. Okay. For both. You, know, you can use, uh, you can use uh, professional-looking bandit signs when you buy. When you sell or you're looking for tenant buyers, always use homemade signs. Huge right. difference. I've tested this. I remember one time I consulted with a lady. I went back to the consulting strategy. And uh, I taught her how to fill her property on a lease purchase. 
and she wanted her money back because she didn't like the idea of what I was telling her about using homemade signs to sell her property. Really? She told me how unprofessional that was. Um, and, you know, she didn't want to do that. So I gave her her money back. <laughs> and uh, I said, all right. You know, it was really, really early in the consultation process. So I, I, left, it, I left it alone. Well, needless to say, uh, six months later, her property was still in the market. <laughs> wow. But the, I, I've tested it. I can't tell you how many buyers I've had that, uh, I mean, uh, investors and students who have told me um, I use banded signs and I get overwhelmed with calls, um, specifically for advertising properties. But that's, that's really good. And, and banded signs anybody can do. They're not that expensive. I will say, we mentioned sites before. I was just this morning actually on a website, banditsigns.com, and they have a special where you can buy five signs, including stakes, for only 30 bucks, which is, which is pretty good. Five um, signs, including stakes? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, let me go there right now. Bandit. The guy who runs that site, his name is David, David Alexander. Um, I've talked to him a couple times. A real nice guy. He is an investor, and uh, I have to. I said that like I have to qualify it. Yeah, five custom eighteen by twenty-four bandit signs with stakes for only twenty-nine dollars. So yeah, I, I won't pay anything near that. Well, if you just want to buy five signs, that's a pretty good price, isn't it? Well, in my opinion, if you're going to put up five signs, you might. I mean, this is where we could defer. If I, if I, are you talking about bandit signs for properties or finding motivated sellers? Uh, for for a property. If I had, if I'm just oh, getting property. started, you know, I'm just advertising one property. Um, well, let me let me give everyone a quick tip here. And yeah. This is what I do. Is I think five is. I mean, if you have to do that, that's fine. But I put out twenty a week for each property. Right. I mean, okay. You got to go for it. And so what I do is I go to coralplast.com. C O R O P L A S T. Okay. Com. That's the company that actually manufactures these plastic signs. On there, you could find a distributor in your area. So, hmm. like, they'll give you the guys who, like, have the warehouses. Yeah. If you're in San Diego, I go to San Diego Plastics. That's the distributor. Okay, It's like a big warehouse, and they have all these big plastics, and they have plastics for everything. And so they have the Coroplast, the raw material. And what I do is I have them give me the uh, 18 by 24, 18 by 24s. And then uh, those are a dollar a piece. And then I have them cut them in half to 12 by 18s, and now those are 50 cents a piece. Okay. So uh, then I write on the signs, rent to own, a nice, you know, the marker. And then instead of getting wire stakes, I just go to Home Depot, and you can get 50 stakes for 13 bucks. Nice. So uh, I figured it out. At the end of the day, it's like 69 cents a sign. <laughs> All right, well, never mind. Okay, you can go. BanditSigns.com is still a good site. Well, yeah, and let me throw this out there. I can, you know, I hire my assistant now to go down there, pick up the signs, draw on them, you know, and and have someone put them out when I do use bandit signs, or else someone else is putting them out for me, right? Wow. Uh, you know, so that's something. If you don't have time, you know, in ordering from the website that you talked about, maybe that's a good option. So, you know, there's two sides to every story. But 20 signs per weekend. Per house. That's fantastic. Correct. Do you think you're going to get some calls if you put 20 signs out each weekend for each house that you're advertising? Better believe it. Probably not. Probably <laughs> not. <No. laughs> All right, man. Well, 
I mean, we've, there's so many things we haven't even talked about yet. You know, like you use virtual assistants a lot in your business. You probably couldn't survive without them. Um, Alex and I both use a lot of VAs, and uh, they just make your life a whole lot easier. In fact, I'm getting ready to hire another one right now. Um, so I think you also have a local assistant, don't you, Todd? I have a, a local assistant, and if you're a new investor, this is not something that you need to do right away. Yeah. But I would suggest it. Um, you know, what is your time worth? Are you running out to a property to go put a lockbox on, on the property? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you running out to the property to go take pictures of the property? Um, you know, you can want to try to delegate all of this stuff. So, uh, you know, think about what it costs you, and, and you can find somebody local for 8 to $10 an hour who could do a lot for you. Um, one of the things that I find is that if you guarantee them more hours, that uh, they'll work for less. And so uh, sometimes I'll have them make cold calls for me while they're sitting in my office. Nice. And you can pay them $8 an hour and then also give them commission on every deal that you do. Yeah. And you know what else? I've been having my VA in the Philippines make cold calls for me, about 15 to fifteen sellers a day, just asking if they want to lease purchase. These are houses on Craigslist. And um, in the last three or four weeks, Todd, I've got about five properties under contract. Wow. And my VAs are getting them under contract. I don't even know about it until I get, I use DocuSign to get my contract signed. I don't even know about it until I get an email. And uh, I, have to, I have to email my VA, hey, is this lead from you? Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you about it. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'm sorry. And these are just deals that I'm flipping, yeah, wholesaling okay. lease option deals. But I'm not even talking to these sellers. <laughs> I'm literally not. Nice. Well, I, I'm working on something right now I, um, where I'm hiring full-time VAs, full-time VAs, yeah. for 250 bucks a month. Nice. Doing what? Everything and anything, you know. But uh, two hundred and fifty bucks a month is a dollar or seventy-eight an hour, and uh, happy to do it. Happy to do it, and uh, you know it's a great income for them. They're a third-world country, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's a great place to start if you want to leverage yourself, especially if you have a job. And so, um, my recommendation, if you're going to hire a VA to do anything, is get those phone numbers off Craigslist, whether it's using a scraper or if you're just manually taking them off and either sending them to you every day or, uh, or you um, having them email people for you. I mean, it's the, that's the highest, you know, the lowest paid activity for you yeah. and you'll get the most value for it. So you, know, you don't want sit to be sitting there and emailing people because, again, what is your time worth? It's worth 500 bucks an hour, not $1.78. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, man, this is so good, Todd. Um, where can people go to get more information about you? Well, they can go to one place. It's called leasepurchasetv.com. Leasepurchasetv.com, and they can go to my site and you know read some about the uh, about the deals that we're working on, and again, some of the stuff we talked about today, and some of the tools that we use. Uh, I try to give a lot of content away. So, um, leasepurchasetv. You know, I've not been to that site yet. It's brand new. Brand new. Well, I'm going there right now. But, um, Todd, I I really appreciate you. Uh, Like I was telling everybody before, um, your was your core. Ah, nice looking site. Better mute my volume before you start talking on the video. (laughs) But, uh, uh, guys, I've been through Todd. Todd has several courses, one of them on lease purchase wealth system. Uh, he has another one on the automatic landlord. 
We did a webinar recently together on quick turn leasing. That was really, really good. And, um, and so Todd is a, just a great guy who, and a great example of somebody who's actually doing the deals and teaching people too. Uh, like like me, I, we both have a passion to see people succeed, to help other people uh, in this business and to learn what we've learned. And we love teaching this business to people. But Todd is also doing deals. And I, uh, him, I know for a fact the kinds of deals he's working on because sometimes he'll just call me up and say, Joe, you won't believe this deal I just got. This is amazing. Uh, well, Todd, man, you've been so gracious with your time. I really appreciate you taking uh, time out of your busy schedule. I know you got a lot going on. Um, I mean, we didn't even talk about your uh, family. You got some cute little kids that uh, you get the benefits and privilege of being uh, uh, working. Uh, I know you have an office, but you do spend some time working from home, and um, you have the freedom to to uh, to do kind of whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. And um, so I know your time is real valuable, and you spent some time with us here on this call, and I really appreciate it. Again, guys, go to leasepurchasetv.com. To get more information about Todd, I highly, highly recommend his stuff. I've, I've bought all of his courses. We've even done some webinars together. This guy's a real deal, and he really does teach from the heart, and he wants to see you succeed. And uh, if you get on his mailing list, keep in touch with him. Um, in fact, on his website, I see here you even have some uh, links you can connect with Todd on Facebook and um, Twitter. Um, he's got some really cool things coming out with the master lease strategy. Um, and uh, what, Todd, to talk a little bit about what you're coming out with soon here. Sure. Well, uh, right now we're launching our lease purchase insider circle. Right. And uh, what we really focus on, again, is creating cash flow and equity. And lease purchase is part of it. I think that's the, 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 the basics of the course, that's the, the, the ground zero. Uh, but throughout the course, we're going to release some of the really cool stuff that we're working on. Um, just the deals that are really working on, even though the, the wacky kind of mad scientist stuff I put together. Um, but it's all, it's all about teaching you how to do it step by step by step. And there's coaching calls in there and uh, support and you know, we're going to have deal analysis. And so if, if you're new uh, you know, in the business or your experience, there's going to be something in there for everybody. And, and my goal for the course is to have everyone's first check in their hand within the first 60 days and then build a business from then on out. Then Great. On out. Excellent. All right, man. But, uh, well, Joe, I mean, I, I got to, and for anyone listening, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm so impressed that Joe gives away these podcasts for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, so, it's a lot of fun. Very generous of you, Joe. Thank you. And, and I love talking about real estate, man. So you can't shut me up. Just ask my wife. And uh, <laughs> so I could talk all day about real estate. So, hey, thanks again, Todd. We'll talk again soon. Guys, leasepurchasetv.com. Go, go hey, say hi to Todd. Thank you, thank you for all the gracious words, and thanks for listening, guys. All right. See you later.